Welcome to the Steadfast Carlsbad podcast. This morning's message was taken out of our 10 a.m. service. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Thanks for tuning in. Hebrews chapter 12 uh, is, is after a long stint of going through the Old Testament, basically, uh, and convincing the believers, these believers, to not go back. Just because times have gotten hard, don't go back. And so in chapter 11, we talk about this hall of faith and, and all these men and women that, that were uh, chose to trust God and believe him and their actions showed that. So now we're, we're called to run this race of faith. We're called to be participators of it. And the author's saying, you guys haven't even suffered that much. Like, what do you expect? You expect it to be easy and fun all the time? Like you guys, you guys haven't even suffered anything. The Lord will meet you where you're at. So we're, we get to this, this next section. Uh, and, and actually, I wanted to read verses 12 and 13, which we covered last week. But going in for a little more context, the incentive and the encouragement is, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Take heed because we talked about the Lord's discipline, how the Lord has, is because he wants us to uh, enter into the, the uttermost of what he's called us into, enter into his rest, enter into his calling, the things that he's set before us to do, the way he's made you to function. As a loving father, he's not gonna just let us do whatever we want. He's not gonna just let us have whatever we want and do our own thing and, and never check in on us. No, he's going to be bringing reminders around us that are agents of sanctification, that are drawing us back to him to go, whoa, that thing in me is not good. And you go, why, God, why is this happening? He's like, for your own good, just like a loving father with, a, with their, their, uh, someone they would call their child corrects, so does the Lord. And the, the point is, so that what's broken can be mended, so that what's, what's weak can be strengthened. So verse 14, this, the, this is what the fruit should be looking like of those who have been strengthened by the Lord, those who are walking with him. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. So the word pursue, because you think pursue, you know, like kind of follow, like I don't even Think like hot pursuit, like, like uh, you know, what was the big deal growing up? I, it was always like the car chases. And you would flip from station to station. Look at this guy. What? He just, you got him, you got him. And then all of a sudden pull some maneuver and you're like, man, if you should be, you know, driving a NASCAR or something like that. You know, they'd be doing these maneuvers. Then you'd check on, all right, for, I mean, I grew up in the LA um, station. So it was like Eyewitness News, ABC, Channel 7. KTLA, Channel 5, CBS, Channel 2. Who's got the best shot? KCAL, Channel 9. Nah, no, I barely even have a camera up there. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Fox 11. Okay, so you're going from station to station and you're watching it, but the idea is the pursuit. What does a pursuit look like? It's like a, a hot pursuit. The idea and the word is dioko. It's, it's hasten, press on. It's the same word used in different parts of scripture for persecute. Uh, so it's got a heavy implication to it. There's, there's an, a, almost like an aggressive nature to it. Pursue with agency, urgency and tenacity. What was it, the things that we're supposed to pursue? Peace 
with all people and holiness. Two things. Peace with all people and holiness. And how do we do it without, this is not stagnant. Like, especially in the idea of peace, right? Peace, you go, oh, just kind of, you know, peace with everyone. I'm at peace with everyone. Peace is not a uh, passive event. That's what's so interesting. You think it is. Peace is let everybody do whatever they want, and everything is good. Peace takes work. If you want peace in your home, you're going you're gonna to labor for that. There's going to be effort for that. You have to fight for that. Matter of fact, like homes where maybe a husband and a wife or, or children and their parents never talk about anything serious, it's a false peace. It's a, it's a false sense of peace. There's nothing real going on. No one knows how to express anything. No one, no one is willing to say anything because they're scared everything's going to blow up. This, and, and, and it will way later. Peace takes effort. It takes tenacity. It takes like active movement. So it's not stagnant. It's with great effort. Means we we it takes work and we do the work to accomplish it. This kind of peace and this kind of holiness. An effort is put in towards the peace that we have with one another. And there's also an effort that's put in towards our holiness. Now, what is why? What does it say? Without which no one will see the Lord. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> I think it means both you and those around you. If, if we are not pursuing peace in our life, then we're, we are cutting God off at working in the relationships where he wants to do transformational, absolutely unbelievable change in our lives. At the core, at the root. Relationships that were broken and battered and bruised have now come back around. There's nothing sweeter than that. You know, maybe you've had someone in your family that you were estranged with and things were really sideways and gnarly and not good. And then all of a sudden, the Lord gives you a peace about pursuing that relationship. And then you, you go the extra mile to, to, to see if God will meet you there. And then there's a reciprocation. And then all of a sudden, a relationship that was as good as dead is now active. Not, not always quickly, but you start doing the hard work of rebuilding foundations. Beautiful thing. So you'll get to see the Lord moving in your life as you offer in peace. You're gonna see how God works in you to give you peace, and then through that peace, you're able to extend it even to others and, and to love on others in a peace that passes understanding. But also, without which no one will see the Lord, is also those on the outside looking in. So whether the two things we're told, peace and holiness, are two ways that the world is able to see God moving in us. We, the church has a unique role in the kingdom of God. He has a unique role in what he's doing. The church is, is God's agent the church is God's outpost. The church is God's, this is, you guys are my ambassadors. You're here for a good reason and for a good purpose. And it's to bring peace. Now, do you think, is the church known for bringing peace to the world? That's a good question. Are we? So I think the, I think the church is some of the most vindictive 
divisive? Is that sad or what? And so what is the response from the public? Are they coming into church in droves because you, know, you were able to make a straw man argument against an idea that doesn't even really exist and you're, you're, you're more catty than the next church? Does that make you want to come to the Lord? Is that any sort of a, a lighthouse in, in a, a storm, stormy, gnarly sea that someone's looking for? Is there something out there that can help me? Is there something out there that will bring me peace in my life? And I don't see it in the church. So this is really important. And the church, you go, yeah, the church. The church should work on this. That's us. Before we, we fix the church, it has to happen in our own individual lives. But how do you work through peace? Because we're, we're amazing at being victims. And, and being a victim is straight up currency, right? So how do we work at peace? We die to ourselves. And we're able to give, uh, bring peace, which the other word for peace is harmony. And these are vital markers. So first, let's look at peace. Uh, Romans chapter 12 has another uh, really good text and gives even more insight, I think, uh, as to how we're supposed to operate, especially to those on the outside or those we're struggling with. Romans chapter 12, verse 17, it's on the screen uh, if you don't want to switch over. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather, rather give place. Uh, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Um, so what does this tell us? As much as is possible for you. Um, the hard thing about peace is you kind of need both sides to come to a place of peace. But you do as much, and with as much tenacity, as much, you, as, much as possible for you. Uh, and then it has a really interesting part here. It says, beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Uh, there's some, been some studies done on, on revenge and, and you know, waiting you know, to, to get back and get even. And it does similar things to the brain as drugs or like sexual attraction. Does that not make sense? Because you just, you just are like, oh, you wronged me? I'm actually glad you wronged me. Because you threw a rock at me, and I've got a rocket launcher that I'm going to launch at you. I was waiting for this moment, and I knew it would come, and I'm going to tell you exactly who you are. Now, now, let me ask you, how does that go in the long run? You know what ends up happening? You blow that friendship up or that relationship up. It gets around. It becomes part of your reputation. You are bitter towards them, and, and there's no forgiveness in your heart. So and if we're not understanding that forgiveness is for others, we're really not understanding even forgiveness from God. And it's, they're kind of linked, right? Especially we're looking at the model prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Like forgiveness is a, is a key factor here. But the idea is that vengeance actually does feel good. It feels good to, to get even with people. But it feels good like drugs or like sexual stuff outside of marriage. It feels good, but it's also very, very harmful to you. And it, and it makes a chasm and a hole in you. And it doesn't do a good thing in your life. It's the opposite of flourishing. 
So instead, we're to make peace wherever possible. It doesn't say when you can't make peace, make war with the person. It, it means, and you know, it means if, if you can't make peace with them, if they won't do it, you're still at peace with them. You're going to do everything you can to where you've done, you, you could say before the Lord, I've done everything I can to produce this peace. God, you're, gonna, you're the one that's going to have to do this. It's, it's in your hands. Verse 20 says, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, this is Jesus stuff, isn't it? This looks like Jesus, who died for the ones who were crucifying him. And love for those who seemingly hated him. Can I point out the, the goal here of feeding your enemy and, and you know, giving him a drink is not so you can you know, put hot coals on his head. That's not the point. The idea is that as we act in peace, as we respond in peace, as we uh, take instead of hate, we respond with love. Like, how do I love you like Jesus? It confronts them. So the hot coals, it's not like, uh, you know, a uh, um, passive-aggressive attack on them from us, like, oh, let's get these hot coals going. Here's some food. How's your head feel? You know, anything hot? I noticed you took your hat off. You know, oh, hey, you want uh, some drink, something to drink? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Drink up, drink up. You might need even more. That's not the idea. The idea is that we... We respond, and this is what it looks like to live at, uh, peaceably as much as you can, as much as depends on you, is you legitimately do it in love. And how do we do that? We remember we were forgiven greatly by the Lord, and by the way, by people. You look in your life, there's been people who have forgiven you from like pretty crazy things. And there just are. And these are examples. And how do you think about those people versus the people that were vengeful to you? you, you they, have, they have no place to speak into your life, but those who are willing to let go and to pursue peace anyway and to love anyway, they look like Jesus. And so when the world looks now at that situation, what do they see? They see God. This is not natural. This is not how we're hardwired. So it's how they see God. And also, when you talk about vengeance, there's a reminder that the Lord knows and he sees. And he's going to deal with it. And he'll deal with it way better than you will. He's going he's gonna to do a, a way better. He'll be a lot fairer than you are. And you won't destroy your life and reputation on the way. There's a lot of people who are you know, seemingly good people that did really good things in their life and they were, you know, doing well. And then all of a sudden someone wronged them and they took someone's life and they're in jail. That's it. I'll leave it up to the Lord. Let him do it. Let him work on it. You know, because your vengeance doesn't bring someone to repentance. It usually just riles them up, becomes a war inside. So, peace... Also, holiness. Holiness is sanctification or consecration. Uh, remember when we talked about the, the temple items that were called holy? 
all the different parts that were a, a, a holy, this holy cup, this holy bowl, this holy, you know, all these different things. What was the, why were they holy? Because they were set apart unto the Lord. It's not because they were made like, oh, wow, that's a really, oh, that's a really good one. That one's holy. There's not any, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's made well, but it's the same plate you could have over here. But why is it different? Because it's been set apart for a specific purpose as unto the Lord. That's what holiness is. That your life has been set apart. My life has been set apart with a purpose as unto the Lord. And he takes it and he purifies it through a process of sanctification. He purifies us and sets us apart for him. The Lord won't be made visible without the peace and lives that are set apart and sanctified in holiness. It's peace that brings order, right? Peace brings order to the world. It, it makes things that are bad good. Peace is doing the hard work of making a system run, of, of you know, setting up different things that might take a lot of effort to help each other out by going the extra mile in your relationships in your life to maybe even talk about the hard things. It takes hard work, but this is the Adam rule and subdue rule where we're called to rule and subdue, to bring order out of chaos. I can't think of a better uh, definition of peace than that, to make things right out of chaos. Let me ask you, do you want people of peace in your life? Everyone says yes. Do you want to be a person of peace in your life? That one's a little bit 50-50. Might say we do, but do we really? But the key is, is that as we're doing these simple things and trusting God, because this is all about trusting God, to be set apart for him in holiness and to bring peace, you have got to be banking on God coming through, which is exactly what we see in the hall of faith. Those banking on God to come through over and over again in every situation of life, banking on it. That's what peace takes. That's what holiness takes because everything else around us is temporal and it's quick and it feels good for a second, but it blows a hole out of the back end of your life. So peace brings order to the world and ruling and subduing. Holiness confronts darkness by its presence. Just being there, just being in the room. There's counterfeit versions of peace and there's counterfeit versions of holiness. Those are out there. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the peace that comes from the Lord that makes you look like Jesus. And we're talking about the holiness that is set apart as unto the Lord that makes you look like Jesus. So naturally, that's how the world sees him. And if not, we're bad examples of what it's supposed to look like. And so how is the world supposed to see God if we're not representing him in the church age? That's why we're here. So I'm just as convicted as you are, by the way. Hopefully you're as convicted as I am. I should say that because uh, I, I am. Genesis, I mean, sorry, not Genesis. Hebrews uh, 12, 15, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Looking, this is looking carefully, is look upon, inspect, observe, take care, over, see. 
get, get, get the angle. Like it's just, it's like a close, just, just from every angle that we fall short or we fail to reach, we miss out on, or here we go, lack the benefit of the grace of God in our lives. We are all, if you're a child of God, even if you're not, there's a, there's a common grace that God is so gracious towards us. But if you're a child of God, you are a huge recipient of his grace. But we can, we can cap that by choosing, in a sense, the, 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 him continuing to move and work in our lives by saying, I don't want you to do that. You, you can't. That relationship, no, I'm not. I don't want anything to do with them. They're out. It's like, no, or no, that part of my life stays. Other people, they might be okay with that. I need this. This is mine. This is my precious. <laughs> Not a Star Wars fan? I'm kidding, kidding. So looking carefully, we, want, we don't want to miss out on the grace of God. And the grace, the word for grace, charis, is, it, it's like attractiveness, it's goodwill, it's favor, it's a gift. I mean, do you want to miss out on any of that? I mean, do we really want to miss out on any of that? So what's the thing we're supposed to be careful of? Lest any root of bitterness spring up. Well, this is a big deal. And, and as it grows up over time, we let bitterness mature. Because sometimes we like bitterness. It goes well with the victim complex. Oh, I like being bitter because I've been wronged. People don't know my hurt, you know, what I've been through. And, and you know what? You're right. You might be right. But if you let bitterness mature in your life, it is going to cause major trouble. Because what does it say, say happen? By this, many become defiled. That's like stained. It, it, it ends up, like, changing you. It's now, like, inside. There's, a, there's a, a, an ice cream shop that we've been going to. It's part of our Saturday Sabbath thing. And um, it's this new one off Roosevelt and um, Stella Jeans. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, I've got the, the ube. It's, like, sweet potato. Oh, it's really good. It's their bestseller, and it tastes super good. But um, it's purple. It's like super purple. And last night I got home and I was brushing my teeth and I saw like a little bit of pink when I spit. I'm like, what? Did, am I bleeding or something? And all of a sudden I spit again. It was purple. And I'm like, what? Oh, wait a minute. You know, because you're like, is there an alien inside of me? Like, what in the world? Where did this come from? And I'm like, the ube. <laughs> that was what was there. That was what was inside of me. And so that was what was coming out of me. Think about like, Defile. If you put uh, a white linen in a, soak it in coffee, it won't come out white. So we become defiled by sitting in our bitterness, by allowing it to, to just penetrate every little part of fiber in us. And the worst part is we feel so justified by it. Like I'm the martyr and we're the ones becoming the monster. So what is the author of Hebrews reminding? Remember, a church that's thinking about walking away from the Lord because they've had to go through a little bit of hardship that the author of Hebrews just said, I think it's God doing this with you because he's trying to wake you up. So stop 
being a victim, stop being bitter, and start dealing with what's really going on in your life. And this is something we all got to hear because these are common to man everywhere. It's like it's something we, you know, we see it everywhere. So how do we deal with bitterness? You know, because bitterness is usually the thing that ends up when it's full grown, it's when people just completely walk away from the Lord. They're bitter about one little thing. They find a little community where they start telling stories and the stories become, the fish goes from this big to this big maybe, or maybe not. Maybe they really were part of that, and that could be. But the, the bitterness becomes the thing. And it's not to say that we shouldn't deal with what sin is, but we've got to be careful. What are we allowing to grow in our lives? Because we've given this, this vision of, uh, in a parable, the parable of the sower, that there's seed, and that there can be other things that are growing up alongside that choke out the good growth. That's what bitterness is. So we've got to weed our garden if we want to see healthy fruit coming out from the, branch, from the vine and the branches. So bitterness is full grown. It becomes cynical. We have to release our vengeance to the Lord and trust him. You know what? You, we've all been wronged by the church or by people in the church in one way or another. Someone has hurt your you, your feelings probably, or said something you wish they didn't say, or, or has made it where I, you know, I don't want to talk to this person about this or that or whatever. And so, you probably have too, because a lot of times you don't even know you did said something that was like offensive. And it's easy to be offended. I, if you didn't notice, I shaved my beard, and um, people will say to me, "Wow, you look you look better with it like that," and I'm like, "What? That's offensive." And then someone will say, you looked better the other way. And I'm like, what? That's offensive. Do you understand? It's all offensive. Like, like you're trying, there is no compliment. You get, I like it both ways. Just don't tell me your opinion. And it's fine. But I, I did that to, be, to joke around. Like, dude, don't say that to me. Like, you, sh- you think I look better with it? The, you don't like my face? My face doesn't look good as it is. I look better without it. You don't like my beard? A lot of people do, you know. Do you see how easy it is, though? And it's literally someone thinking they're making a compliment. Wow, that looks really good. Did it not before? So we got to be careful of the things that we allow to grow. And you got to be careful what kind of uh, other people you have in your life that are like, pouring fertilizer on it be careful because you know those are the type of people that agree with everything you say vacuum it's like in this echo chamber you oh really Mm -hmm. yeah i i had that too you want to know what it's worse than you even think they don't even love you anymore they hate you they only loved your beard the only reason they came, to, they're all going to leave. No one's coming to church anymore. It was the beard. I use a goofy example to show how goofy it is. And it might be more, less, because it's a serious thing. But why, if we've been wronged, would we allow that wrong to continue to poison us the rest of our life? Is that getting even with anybody? See, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to set captives free, to break chains. 
I was, I was talking with my son and my nephew, and we were talking about, like, like drugs. And we are just talking about how, you know, people put stuff in them, and they kill you, like, on the spot. And you have no idea. And they're like, why would they do that? We're like, well, there's a, there's a couple different reasons why that could be and that could happen. But, but guys, behind all of this is, is, is an enemy, the devil, Satan, who does what? What does it say he does? And it says, steal, kill, and destroy. What is that? That sound like what's going on? So why are we surprised? You know, we got to be vigilant. We got to know. Not just the, the outside world, scary things outside in the world. There's always enough of those. I mean, they are always there. But we've got to look in our own head and check the things we think we know and we think we're good on and go, where's the poison and toxicity in my mind? Where am I bitter? Where have I not let something go? Because if it continues to grow, there will be an effect from it. Okay, verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. You're like, well, that's a big shift, right? From the bitterness thing and the, def it's the defiled. But what was the deal with Esau? He sold a long-term blessing, like double portion, you know, the, the patriarch of the family. He sold the long-term blessing of promise for a stew. We ate at Korean more. Um, Jeremy, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we actually went. And they have lentil soup. And I was like, well, this is good. And, and Taylor, Taylor was like, this is what uh, Esau sold his birthright for. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, red stew. That's right. It wasn't that good. And it was gone soon after. And then you're like, it wasn't even the best part of the meal. But he sold it for a stew. This is the idea. A fornicator, profane person is like Esau because his evaluation was way off. Fornicators because sexual sin is just blowing everything up for a quick a quick fix, quick fill, quick fix. Quick thrill that leaves you more empty than before afterwards. That's, that's what it does. So that's what Esau did. He evaluated his blessing way off. Later on, he got it, but it was too late. He just wanted food. Dude, I'm so, I'm gonna die. You're like, probably not. I'll do anything for this. Would you sell your blessing? What do I care if I'm dead? I... The idea is to value, and we've talked about this in the last couple of weeks, to value delayed gratification. Understanding the purpose. Putting our hope in the finished work of Christ. Those in the hall of faith who died and that didn't see all the answers. But they still, they, they trusted knowing that the promise would come to pass. This our sanctification, our becoming like Jesus, our process of becoming more and more Christ-like in the way we live will not, will not be cooked in a microwave. It's not, it's not a microwave faith. It's gonna, this is a slow process. You know, like good barbecue? You're like, we smoke this for like 30 hours. You're like, wow. 
That's amazing. That's a long time, you know? We were in Colorado. We cooked our food in the ground. We dug a hole with the youth. All the kids were digging holes in the ground. And we put the ashes underneath in a Dutch oven. And we had pulled pork in it, or pork. Start up, pork. And you put all the seasonings and then you, you take it, you dig a hole, and then there's, there's the coals underneath, and you, you put the coals on top, and, and then you cover it up. And then you come back, and you have to tend to the coals. You have to keep the coals hot. You have to keep kind of moving them in and out and make sure that there's enough on top and there's enough on the bottom. you gotta cure, you got to, like, you know, curate the whole experience. What ends up happening? It cooks slowly and slowly. The cast iron, it's just melding together. You're getting hungry right now. But then after it cooking all day long, you pull this thing out of the ground and you pop it open and what is there is the most beautiful like pork you've ever seen. And it's just, you know, for the Jewish, they wouldn't so much like this, but for us, yes. And it, and it just falls apart and it's the, you can taste everything's infused. It's not just quick baked on. It's been like sitting in it. And that's what our, Walk with the Lord is like, it's an active process of tending and making sure the coals are hot and making sure that there's not too much dirt or make sure the hole's, you know, the right spot deep, deep enough and, and you're checking and, okay, let's adjust. It, it needs more heat on the top, less on the bottom. But a delayed gratification is, you know, just that. I mean, you, you could have a micro, you could have a hot pocket for the rest of your life but I dare say you've never tasted a, a real meal. One where it's been effort and, and thought and care has been put into it, uh, and it's slow cooked. Verse 17, for you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. All of a sudden, Esau's eyes were open to what he had done. And um, this, is, this is a warning to not take important things lightly. This is a warning to get our values set. You know, you, a company has their core values, maybe, or their, their mission. Your family might have your, like, family values. Like, this is what we're about. By the way, that's a good thing to do if you don't have that. Work on, like, a, a family seal or a family, you know, whatever, where you decide together, you work on it together. This is what it means to be, insert your last name. This is who we are. This is what we're about. So we're constantly reminding ourselves of our values, the things that matter. But this is getting our evaluation right, of knowing what's actually important and what isn't. Because one of the things in the world we're living in is, is things are always perceived to be really, really important. Because it's right in front of you. Now, deal with it now. Deal with it now. And in and and, this is why it's good to plan out your day and spend time with the Lord and go, what are the things that I really need to do this week? What are the things that are really, really valuable this week so I don't get sucked into everybody else's ideas of what they think I should think is important that doesn't really cost them anything? What are the things that I need to really do and be focused on this week? What's the evaluation? I mean, I'm sure if you could look back like Esau, who, who was, you know, devastated by what had happened, you know, after he realized it. You can think back of times in your life where you wish you could stop yourself from doing something, being a part of something, because you knew what it cost you. You didn't see it then. 
The Proverbs has this kind of stuff. Like, like this bird's eye view of a witness of like, don't go down that path. Don't do that. So God is gracious and kind towards us and he extends us grace and forgiveness through Jesus. But we need to value a life that has been purchased by the ultimate price. So as we're looking at the value of like things like a promise, we need to value our own life because Jesus says it was valuable enough to die on the cross for us, despising the shame. Our lives matter. If we've been bought with a price and we've been valued, then our lives matter. And if our lives matter, then our actions matter because they reveal who we really are in our heart. And that's what the whole of faith is all about. It's about belief and faith aligned in actions. The whole of faith is full of actions. That is how the faith is manifest. You don't just say it, you, you do it. I mean, who in there didn't have an action? So you might say, oh, I've got my own personal faith. It just never manifests in actions. That is not a faith. That's not, a, that's not a faith of any sort of value at all. You, do, you don't believe in God. You don't trust him. That's not the kind of faith we're talking about. Because it's, it's, it, this faith will lead to action. What we value shows. And it's really simple. You can take your, your week or your month or whatever, and you highlight what is the thing that I most uh, focus on. What, what are, what are, like, look at your time. Where's your time spent? Obviously, you're like, I have to work for a living. I understand. So that's a valuable thing, right? But what, where, what is the values in, in each little category of your life? If you were to look at it and see what, what is the things I value the most and what are things that I shouldn't and what are things that I devalue that I should value a lot more? And this is taking inventory and it's saving us from a whole lot of trouble later. Because the, the foundations we build on, as we're continuing to build and build and build, it will be revealed if it's sand or if it's rock. It will be revealed. The storm will come. And you're going to wish that you started when you were on like step one versus step 55. You know, when you're working on the Legos and you realize you missed putting in the, you put the piece in backwards. And it needed to go the other way. And you're already so many steps away from it. And you're like, ah, you just go into the bin now. You're, you're just, you, you have no home. You're part of the Lego amoeba. What we value shows, what we devalue shows. So the message is titled Faith in Action. Here are uh, 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 five things that lives of faith will produce. Faith in action, five different things lives of faith will produce. Lives of faith will actively pursue with tenacity, peace, and holiness which is tied in with a faith that God will make things right in the end and that God can do the impossible in transformation in your life. The relationship, you think there's no chance. He's, he might just be waiting for you to humble yourself and open it up an opportunity in peace to allow him to use you as a vessel to meet someone when they really need to be met in their time of need and in a place that they've never been seen it from before. Godly humility. So, lives of faith will actively pursue with tenacity, peace, and holiness. Lives of faith will eliminate the growth of bitterness. 
the idea is trusting in God even when circumstances or people seem to keep us down. One way to think about that is this world is not our home and it may never be comfortable for us. Some people have really easy, awesome lives. Some people have hell on earth, it seems like. But you continue to trust God for what he can do here and ultimately what he will do in eternity. There will be crowns. I think there will be some really special crowns for people who endured the worst suffering of it all. I mean, you think there's going to be like some, there's going to be some like awesome blessings because God sees. So lives of faith will actively pursue with tenacity, peace, and holiness. Lives of faith will eliminate the growth of bitterness. Lives of faith will recognize we were bought with a price. Faith that you have value because Jesus said so. And that's something maybe we need to remember, that we have value because Jesus said so. Each person is, 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 is the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, it unlocks what we're supposed to do. Uh, lives of faith will assess value. Faith as it evidenced in delayed gratification. Give up the quick fix for a lifetime of benefit. That's, that's what a life of faith does. Lastly, a lives of faith will um, recognize that God is super gracious. And that even when we blow it, he is, he's gracious towards us. He'll still with, deal with us graciously, which is great news for us. It's also great news for the people that you want to eliminate. His heaping hot coals is in light of repentance. He wants, his goal is that we would all come to a place of repentance and trust in, in what Jesus did on the cross. So we remember these things. We remember these things. Because even think about this. Even Esau was blessed. God still blessed him. Like, and he was kind of like known as a pig. But he was, you know, think about when Jacob saw him. And he's like, here you go. He's all humbled because his brother was gnarly. And Jacob was like, lived it. He lived in the house all the time, you know. And he's like, my brother is going to kill me. Like, he kills everything. And Esau says, the Lord is Bless me too. Like he still found a way to bless me. And obviously there was a missed out thing. Largely, I mean, what did Jacob become? Israel. I mean, his Esau's name, he became the Edomites. It was not a good thing, right? Long term. But God is so gracious to deal with us. And he still meets us. He still, he, so if you feel like, oh man, I'm blown it. And I've already, this is, he's, nothing's done. He's, you know what? There's, there's, yeah, we reap what we sow. There's consequences, all that. But God has a way of using these really gnarly, nasty things and, and these, these painful things for our benefit in the end, where he, he can take it and he can turn our, our ashes into beauty. He can build and rebuild when everything seemed like it was broken and fallen apart. What a good God. I mean, is there anything else worthy of our trust and our faith? Could you do better than this? Can we come up with something better than this? No, he deserves it all. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us in person, head over to steadfastcarlsbad.com for more info. God bless.